Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the TES International Podcast with me, Dan Worth. Today's guest is Douglas Kidd, the Director of Curriculum X at the International College of Hong Kong. We chat about his unique job title and how it, in part, was key to helping develop the school's flexible learning offering that sees students able to engage with a huge array of modules that complement the more traditional academic subjects. These modules range from those with titles such as Are We Alone in the Universe to Why Do We Love? through to creative tasks covering writing, art, photography and a lot more. He explains how these modules are chosen, how they are taught, why they complement the traditional learning so well and why this all came to the fore, especially during the pandemic. All that and lots more on the latest TES International Podcast. Hi Douglas, welcome to the TES International Podcast. Great to chat with you. And I think, it, well, I know it's going to be a very interesting conversation talking about in more detail about an article actually that just recently was published under your byline about flexible learning. But before we come on to that, I think we should just cover off the fact that, you, you know, where you work and, and what you do and the fact that your job title is Director of Curriculum X at International College Hong Kong. So that job title is immediately poses a lot of questions, but why don't you tell us a little bit about that job role, what you do and how you came to be there? Yeah, that's fantastic. It's a pleasure to be here and thank you for inviting me. Um, yeah, it's an exciting job title. It's Curriculum X um, is a term we apply at ICHK, the school you mentioned, which is a secondary school in the north of Hong Kong. And we apply it to everything outside of the mainstream curriculum. So if you think of the mainstream curriculum being exactly what everybody would expect, in our case, it's... Um, the IGCSEs and the IB diploma program that we flow into. And so the mainstream curriculum covers English and maths and languages and science and humanities and arts and PE and all the things you'd expect. Mm. And we're proud of doing that. We're proud of doing that well. But we do look to find ways to augment that, to enrich that with different approaches to the curriculum. Um, approaches to the curriculum that aren't allowed, if you like, um, very easily, or aren't facilitated, let's say, very easily by the way that normal, that mainstream curriculum is structured. That mainstream curriculum needs you to have a timetable and a certain size of class and a certain size of group and a certain relationship between teachers and students, a certain way of assessing things. And so there's a whole range of um, initiatives we've worked on over time that have built up enough now of... Um, of a, of a profile that putting them together and have somebody overseeing them, trying to bring them into an integrated whole works well. And that the curriculum X is the, the, the word we use for that, the term we use for that. Mm. And, and what's your sort of background then to, to be in that position? Did you start working at school and something else and that evolved in that or did you come in to fulfill that role? Yeah, my, my, my um, experience from that point of view is, is strange to be at the school I am in a way. I spent most of my um, teaching career in the UK. So the first 20 years or so I was in the UK in primary education. Hmm. Um, and before I left the UK back in 2011, I was the principal, the head teacher of a primary school in the south of England. And then came out to Hong Kong and had a couple of jobs in Hong Kong, first as a consultant, then as an outdoor educator. And then got the job in this secondary school for focusing initially on their relationship with the primary schools around them and looking at the use of outdoor education and other initiatives to build that. And so I got involved in the school and got involved in some of the initiatives that were already taken place and then played my part in extending those. 
So it's emerged over time, which is very much how a lot of the things that the school have done as people have been given the space to explore ways of doing things a bit differently. Mm. And I suppose the final point on that is that that job title, you know, Director of Curriculum X, that must be quite a fun one to, to introduce yourself with or have on, but it also must be a sort of, a lot of people go, okay, what's that? Because it's, it's so different, right? Yeah, that's right. It, it, it's, it makes people think it, it's, it's a, a, a good way in to the conversation. And if you're trying to do things differently and flag that that's happening, I mean, mm. every school is looking for the, for the way to, to profile what they're doing, what they offer, find the match with the people that might be interested in coming to that school. And having a title like that begins that conversation. Mm. Well, I think that's, you're so right, isn't it? Because I speak to so many people in the international sphere and what I hear a lot, enough to make me think it is a trend, is that I think there are so many good international schools and, and parents know they can get a good, you know, the traditional educational outcome for their pupil, for their child, sorry. But it's the extra stuff. It's what, what's being done to augment that. What's, what's, what else can you do at this school? What else is going to make my, my child have other opportunities to, to stand out, to thrive, to learn a new skill, to have something that's going to differentiate them in the university application process? All those kind of good things that international schools, I think, are now really probably have always done, but maybe a sort of contextualizing and formalizing a little bit more. But it, it's such a clear sort of, it's, it's all good stuff that you can offer on, alongside a traditional education, isn't it? That's right. That's right. And I, I mean, obviously, no school begins by saying we're not good at the following things. Mm. We're not. We don't want your child to yes. use their potential. Nobody's going to say that. Yeah. So given that everybody is going to say that and everybody wants to do that, that's why people get into education and that's what they want to offer. Then finding the way to say there's genuinely something ha different happening or, or at least begin the conversation and see if mm. what is happening here attract you see if it is what you would like for your child see if it is what your child themselves would like see if it's what you as a teacher would like to work alongside the stronger you can be in doing that rather than trying to be some everything to everybody the stronger you can be in outlining a very specific and particular way of doing things mm. the clearer it is that everybody can make a choice because what we do won't be for some people absolutely not so let's be clear about it and then everybody's decision is a lot easier yeah well, this all, not, all sets us up perfectly to talk about flexible learning, which is to say the, the thing you wrote about for us recently. And it, it's absolutely brilliant sounding sort of set of concepts and, and things to learn about and study about. And it all came about during the pandemic. And it sounds like it's really taken off since then. And you know, maybe there were some bits going on in the background before anyway. But why don't you tell us about that? You know, where did this come from? What, what is it? And, and we'll sort of delve into it from there. Sure. And, and yes, if you don't mind, actually, I probably would take a step back from that to talk about some of those initiatives, because you're absolutely right. And I think this is a good point to make that the innovation and the, the capacity to do something different um, feeds on itself. Mm. It becomes a self-perpetuating process. The more imaginative it's possible for you to be in a particular context, the easier it is to imagine the next thing. So, for example, at the school for a number of years now, there's been um, an approach to the curriculum called free learning going on. And that replaced, that was an initiative developed um, at the outset by our IT teacher who looked to replace IT lessons with, with a different approach. And free learning came out of that and free learning constitutes, if you like, a, a network, a map, a mind map of available units that build on top of each other, mm. enable students to navigate their way through 
a whole range of different approaches, a whole range of different units. It begins mm. um, with IT, although it's spread from there. We use it in our outdoor learning a lot now, for example. But say with IT, you might begin by an, an introduction to the internet or the introduction to your computer, which might take you into then that really interested me and I'd like to move further into programming or using HTML or making videos or making podcasts or I'll head in a different way and begin to program roamers or I'll be et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's lots of different ways it can develop. And it means there's a, then a different relationship between teacher and student because different students can be taking different pathways. They might take a long time to learn a particular thing. They might be moving very fast in a way they've got very passionate about. They might need slowing down to take a bit more depth hmm. in something that they're in control of their learning. They've got agency, which is something we talk about a lot. They've got responsibility for their learning and a relationship they can build with the teacher. Um, another initiative that's more recent at the school is deep learning where we've been looking at being able to collapse the curriculum and take two or three days in a row. At the moment, we've got three-day programs where the students all come off the curriculum and the school can offer through, sometimes through outside agencies and a lot of the time through staff in school, mm. an in-depth experience of something. So we might run a unit on waterfalls in Hong Kong where we look at geology and ecology and visit the waterfalls and abseil down them. We might run a unit, we've got a member of staff who's very keen on Cantonese opera. So we might run a whole unit looking at the makeup and the structuring of those. So initiatives like that, I, I think maybe you can see, give mm -hmm. us a gateway in, build a, a, a capacity to think a little differently, to imagine how things could be done. Um, and that very much flowed into flexible learning when we were then challenged by the pandemic. Yeah, well, absolutely. And, and you know, that sort of the waterfall example there, it immediately made me think, well, yeah, I mean, you know, this flexible learning set of modules, which again, without wanting to give too much away before we get there, it has all these different modules that, that students sort of pick and choose from, can't they? And it's everything from learning about Celtic art to digital design to bird watching. And then there are sort of questions like, you know, why do we love and um, I think there's one about, is it, are we alone in the universe and things like that. So I can, you can, yes, I can immediately see how, if that was already sort of in the school, creating something that wasn't this kind of incredibly, whoa, out there concept for a lot of people, it would have been, yeah, okay, let's, let's take this further. Let's make it a whole set of things. And again, is that what happened was the pandemic? It was a sense, you know, you write in the article about the sense of, yes, of course, we're going to provide the learning, but what else can we do to make this pandemic experience still maintain that kind of ethos? I presume that's where that sort of started that conversation. Absolutely right. No, you're, you're absolutely right. So we, we had those ideas already in school and we had staff who were used to writing in that way and thinking in that way. And we had students, therefore, who were used to being able to take that kind of responsibility and explore different options. So given that we had that base to begin with, when we were suddenly put in this situation where we're not going to be able to open it, for, for us, it was literally at the end of a, of a midterm break. Mm. for the Chinese New Year, during that break, we realised we weren't going to be able to open again on, as, a, on, as a campus mm. and that everything would have to move online. And so our responses began to emerge from there. And the fact that we could gather a whole group of staff together and say, look, let's write some units, let's make these very flexible. We've got the model of how free learning works, but we're going to do this differently because this isn't about a structured course. This is about a range of different experiences that 
enables students to look for something they resonate with, something that really makes sense to them, that can be offered in a range of different ways. They go from units that are just a few minutes long, where, as you say, you might be ch um, challenged to think a little differently. Why do we love? And just get thinking about something. They might encourage you to explore something you've not looked at before, like let's make our own curated Spotify playlist. Here's several created by somebody else. Here's a whole load of different music to listen to. Here's a set of websites and tools that would enable you to look at different genres. Now create your own. Or head off in a completely different direction. The one um, I happen to write, the one you mentioned about Are We Alone in the Universe, which gets the kids looking at the Drake equation, which tells you how many civilized, alien civilizations there could be in the the world, the universe around you, and the Fermi paradox, which says, if there's that many, why has nobody visited us? And begins to get students looking at lots of different options that, that scientists have developed over time as to why that might be the case. For some, that fascinates them. Somebody else might try that, be interested for a few minutes, and, and then say, okay, that's enough for me, and move on. Yeah, well, it, and it, it, it's so nice, isn't it? Because like that idea of like, there's so much to choose from and try out and some are short and quick and, you know, like I said, just, and just that sense of sort of doing something com and completing it, that's always quite satisfying to, to a young person, is it? But like you say, but then if something really sort of sparks an interest and they can take it further, and I say a lot of the modules like the Aliens one and like the, um, or like why, you know, we choose to go to the moon, I imagine that maybe is something similar, but you can see how all of them, they're not like a sort of, they can go further. You can take them further. And if the teacher set that module and they have a pupil they can tell is really enthused by it, I presume then again, you can sort of work with that pupil. So actually try reading this or watch this video or have a look at this, you know, and develop that further. And particularly during the pandemic, that must've been great to do when you know that therefore the children are still learning, they're still doing things. They're not, I don't know, doing something too much. I'm just playing games or on their screen, you know, on screens, wherever it might be. But it's that kind of sense of, yes, you're doing academic learning, but they're still challenging themselves. They're still trying new things out. Absolutely, yes. And, and some of these units then go on to be days long or weeks long. Mm. And we have had students who've dug into those and kept going. And, it, and again, that allows them, if they found that thing that resonates with them, that really fires them up. And they've got a member of staff who will share that interest and that passion and be able to guide them further in it. Then that relationship continues in a whole range of different ways over time and can, can lead then, say, to that student writing a further module themselves about something which has happened for us because one of the modules obviously early on we put together was to say how can you write your own module and send that in for consideration and, and inclusion in the whole set and some people have been fired up by video making or by as you say we choose to go to the moon something like that and then begun to write their own which might then lead to a long dialogue as, as we get that right because we're not just going to put anything in it's got to be quality controlled and so it might mean then we have a dialogue with that student as they build the tools to put something together. That, that's such a nice idea as well, that they can come up with their own modules. And, and I, I do want to come on to that a bit more. One thing I think for people listening, we, we're sort of touching some of these modules and they're probably all sort of piquing the interest. And I think we should run through a few more. And maybe what I'll do is I'll, I'll mention a few and maybe you can give us a quick explanation of what some of them are because they're so interesting and they've caught my eye and I want to know more about them. So for example, one literally says, one module you can choose is talking out loud to yourself. So what, what's that sort of? about what do you achieve with that? So that was um, a module produced by our school counselor who was looking at how, uh, at some research that suggested that talking out loud helped you to structure the way you were thinking, helped you to get a clear idea of thoughts that were in your head, that they can be moving around quite a lot and 
and, and a confused jumble for a while and then speaking it out loud begins to make things clearer. And so it, it shares some of that research, it gives a few little suggestions and exercises and then tries to build the idea of that habit for the student. Mm. And that, that idea of habit building actually is something that, that we certainly talked about a lot when we were developing flexible learning and is something we want to move forward with. It's, I think I mentioned in that article the idea that it's maybe a slightly different way to think about learning or slightly way to do a different way to think about education almost than learning. That building habits is a really important part of becoming who you are, of developing that sense of self. Um, and a habit like that is, is a good example of how you mm. can develop that as, as a tool that you try out and then begin to find helps you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, that, 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 one's, that one's an interesting one. And, and another one, which is uh, drone footage writing, as in, you know, a drone. So what does that mean, drone footage writing? What's going on there? So, so with that one, it's beginning from the idea of either through having your own drone or through um, drone footage that's available because they share, the, the, the unit shares a lot of sites where people upload their own drone footage and using that then as a stimulus for a writing project. Hmm. And with a lot of them, again, I mean, that this, that some of these came through, obviously, the, the English department, um, that they were looking for ways to encourage students to write, to still be expressing themselves and looking then for the inspiration as to where that could come from. So we put together um, one of my roles within the school is um, outdoor learning as well. And we put together quite a few units that looked at getting students outside. But then something like the drone footage was to say, even if you can't, because for periods of the pandemic, we were in a full lockdown and students couldn't get out. Here are ways you can still look at the big wide world around you. Here are sites where people are putting these things out that can then provide a stimulus, a background that you might move in on into writing and maybe begin to look at creating your own story through this. Mm. Well, that's a nice one. And I think the last one I'll ask is possibly the most eye-catching one is the one that says the, it's called The Exquisite Corpse. What, what is that about then? The Exquisite Corpse. I'm going to have to... Definitely picks left foot on. Yeah, it's, it's in the top right of the... Because people listening to this, you know, this is sort of all presented on like a periodic table style layout with each thing has got a nice, really eye-catching little icon. It's really nicely presented. And I want to come on to a bit about that, but just let's just deal with The Exquisite Corpse first and then we'll, <laughs> we'll go to the next question. Yes, so this, this was um, from one of our art teachers who was looking at um, using surrealist art, actually, and, and a particular game that was developed by, um, developed through surrealism, whereby you would draw the, the, an imagined corpse, but you'd do it, I don't know if you can imagine um, games you would play in school where you would, um, fold up paper and somebody draws the first section oh, yes. and then yeah. somebody else draws the next and somebody else draws the next. So somebody's drawing the skull, somebody's drawing the torso, somebody's draw drawing the legs, somebody's drawing the feet and they all might be different because they're from different animals and they create something completely wild and weird and wonderful. Yes. Right, yes. Excellent. Which again is, Which is exactly different. what we had when I'm just flicking through and looking at some of the things the students came up with themselves where they were drawing from different places and sharing those together um, and either actually sharing it as a, as a shared project with different people or 
the idea is then that they've got to take something from different places so that they they know they've got to draw something from this particular stimulus as the head but then they've got to move to a completely different set of stimuli so that you might have the head of a bird and the body of a person and the, yeah etc et so you see what i mean yeah it's great and like, like consequences again consequences yes, but with yes, drawing yeah yeah no I've, I've played that yeah right you see so again they're all so interesting because they're all so enticing to want to know more about them and there's i mean i think on the sheet alone there's about 70 75 maybe there's more now but Yes, it's all very nicely presented. It's really engaging looking. Again, I mean, to, as an adult, as a young person, either. I mean, you kind of want to click on every single one. I imagine if you know, then if you, if that's how it works. So what I wanted to know was from this. So again, and on people listen to this again. If you find the time, go to the on the podcast page where this podcast will be hosted. I'll put a link to the full link of them we've got available on the image. Do when they do this module, do they get it sort of ticked off? Do they does it get added to a little digital portfolio of you know a big green tick over one of these modules? And the idea is you you can in a, in a way complete them all, or is it or does that or do you not want to gamify it so much like that? How does that work to know a student? Because yeah, I've, I've done that module. That's a good question. And, and that's something that's evolved over time. So when we were first using this, when we were literally in the midst of the pandemic and doing online schooling, then what would happen, it didn't look like the image you've got in front of you now. We started using a symbol loop. So they were laid out, but they were tabulated uh, on, on a an online platform mm. and on completion there was a web address an email address for the students to email what they'd done or if it was like the exquisite corks one you brought up one that had quite an artistic outcome we would use padlet or a similar platform so there were places that the students could upload things inform staff and then as teachers we would all have access to those and we would take them either through the modules that we ourselves had presented or by volunteering to do anything, we would then um, look at the work, we would give feedback to the students and we'd also have a platform through which we could share the work with other students and with parents. So there was a way to celebrate kind of a gallery every day of, of some of the best work that was out there. Now, since we've begun to go back, um, back on campus now, and we're looking at how to develop and use this um, within the school generally, what we've done is begun to shift to a slightly different system whereby students can allocate, they can request to have their work looked at by the person who wrote the module or by a mentor that they nominate and that they automatically get saved, it, saved into their own digital portfolio so that they build up this bank of work they can go back to, that they can share, that they can take with them as they move through the school. I see. So it's not it's not quite to the same level then of like a sort of a platform you go in and you tick it off and everything, but it is still very much like a digital based thing now. Well, you, you will have your own list of, of everything you've done personalized in your school account. Oh, okay. So the screenshot you've now got is is um, something is another another initiative in the school. The the, the school has its own um, tailor made. Um, but open source um, digital platform mm. and through that therefore the student can will effectively tick off as you say but, we'll, we'll, but but it's not ticked off in that they can go back to that if they yeah. do that year seven and then think at year nine they want to go back and do the same unit again they can keep adding to it and they will thereby be building up a portfolio of work mm. alongside 
the comments and feedback they've had from staff. That's a nice idea as well, isn't it? Like you say, doing something in year seven and then going back to it in year nine, 10, you're going to be a very different person to come back to it, whether that's the, your ability to draw, whether you're how deeply you understand a, a theory, you know, a topic about the size of the universe. And that, that, that's a nice element that is. That's a nice way of, like, see, I sort of, in a way, I hadn't thought about it quite like that, that you, just, you would do it, go, I've done that. But actually, like you say, there's a, there's a real chance there for growth, isn't there? And you can always say, actually, yeah, I want to, why don't you go back and look at, yeah, again, the alien question, because now that, that you've learned, we've, you've been studying lots of physics. So suddenly the, the scales of the universe will mean more to you than when you were a year seven. No, it's brilliant. I'm, I'm glad you picked up on that. It's absolutely right. And I think it fits with what we were talking about earlier, that idea of, of habit formation. Mm. Um, if you take something like one of the units um, is making the world by walking. So it's where you're asked to do a walk in the immediate area where you live. Um, looking at the world and taking photos, but with a particular focus, and it gives you different focuses. So the idea is that you might go out to your house and do do a walk, and all the way around you're looking for insects. And then you're going to do the same walk again a week later, a day later, a month later, a year later, but this time you're going to be looking for plants, or this time you're going to be looking for print in the built environment, mm. or this time you're looking at people. And the way in which you will look at the same place and the same images is going to change. Now, the same by the same token, that's going to change as you grow, as your photography skills develop, as seasons change, as the world changes. Mm. So you can imagine that going back to that can be a lifetime habit if you choose it to be. Yeah. And that's actually where I got it from, was, was from an exhibition I'd seen years ago when I was a primary teacher, um, or made by somebody who had done the same walk for 25 years and taking photos and the, the dramatic changes as you looked at exactly the same photo taken season by season, year by year, as the world had changed, were really quite affecting and quite powerful. Mm. That, that is a nice idea. Is the world is worthwhile. Sorry, go on. So that is a nice idea as well. Sorry, the, 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 the habit forming idea, like saying it's sort of teaching them, I presume like not that you don't do something once and then you know it, you, you, you can always improve. You can always learn more. You can always rethink your, your thinking on something. And that actually, if you can get that, and presumably that that they, you know, that goes into your academic understanding of a topic, and it's not just like, oh, I've learnt how to do this. It's like, yeah, you've learnt a form of it, or you've learnt the structure or the basics, but you can always sort of keep working on it and get better at it. Again, if you, do you think it's fair to say that's happening, or do you hope that you'll see that happening as it develops? Yes, I think particularly with some of the things like these artistic ones and and some of the outdoor ones, we're beginning to see that. Um, we even had, I mean, a, what, one issue that, that, that came up the same kind of way was um, because of the way flexible learning is set up, the flexible element also does allow for teachers to teach these. So when we were first doing it, and we will keep that, go we are keeping that going as we bring it into the main, to, to the on the uh, on campus learning, mm. that it can be taught. So you can have a teacher teach this as a, as a mental live instead of students accessing it as an online thing. And when we were doing that, one of the things that proved to be hugely popular was cookery. So we'd put recipes up and students could do those on their own, or they could do that and, and be sharing it as a teacher-led um, online through it. And that's been something that a lot of people have kept going. And we've had reports back from parents that students have learned to make something and then kept wanting to do that. The same and now that we're back on campus, we've had a lot of students come into the outdoor department and want to carry on things that they had learned as they'd done that as online learning or 
taken the stimulus of something of, that they'd done when we were forced to be online and doing the flexible learning and they'd gone out and done these walks or done particular activities and now want to carry that on hmm. um, in school. So we are starting to see that. I think you're right, that habit formation is part of the learning process, but it actually can just be something that works on you and enables you to see a lot of things differently. And, and develop a habit that sees them differently. Go on. Yeah, sorry, the line went there. Um, and for parents, and, and I guess the pupils as well, but particularly the parents, you know, have you had feedback on this? Are you, are you, do you get part of positive? Oh, you know, it's fantastic. And you know, both during the pandemic and since, you know, that they see this as something really sort of quite powerful that the school is offering their pupil. Or, or was there ever a sense of a slight concern of like, will, will they think this is time when they should be doing more academic learning? Because that's always a slight consideration, isn't it? It's like parents do want, like we talked about at the start, they do want that very good academic outcome. And if they're doing something like this, it's like, well, is that aiding that? So how did you get that balance right? And have, have you seen anything on that? I, I think, again, the, the flexible element was our, was, was the greatest benefit there. Because what happened for a lot of parents, and I think every school would give you this kind of feedback, the vast majority of parents will be happy if their students are happy. Mm. And the fact that we had this balance when we were first doing it in the morning, there would be English, maths, languages, some, some structured lessons, and then the afternoons and certain full days of the week would have these um, flexible learning options. And the fact that students could, a lot of these specifically encourage them, given an initial stimulus, to get off the computer and go and write, go and watch, go and walk, go and run, go and explore, go and make, go and build, go and do something. So the fact that that was happening and giving the students ways to get involved, knowing that they could then share that was fantastic. We, we had things like prison workouts that you're going to finish film yourself doing. So here's a workout, film yourself doing it, upload it, and everybody's going to look at each other doing their workout and see how, how they score, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So having that kind of idea, the vast majority of parents were happy. But you're absolutely right. It doesn't suit everybody all the time. And there were some students who would get a little lost in that and weren't logging in and weren't doing those things. And the fact then that we can be flexible with that um, really made the, the benefit because what we can then say is, okay, on these days, you can just go and do any of these units. And if that's working for you, that's fantastic. But there will be a member of staff available and here's who it is. And here's the unit they'll be teaching on this particular day. And there's an option. So if you want that, we can be flexible with that. Mm -hmm. Come on come online, meet that particular teacher who will then guide you through it and be checking in with you regularly. And then even if it becomes necessary, having had a conversation with a pupil and a teacher and a parent, we can require you on these days to come and do this particular thing. So it gives us a lot of flexibility in how these things are presented and how they were done. Mm. I think that meant that the overwhelming majority of parents found it the best way we could find of getting through that particular period of time. Right, that makes a lot of sense. And I say that that balance of the, of the flexible element, but then with a slight sense of, but there will be structure to it. And I, I was going to come on to that, actually, and it's interesting you bring it up because I was going to say, well, first of all, I was going to say with some of these modules, how did how were they taught or were they taught, you know, how, because some of them sound great, but also I can imagine that for some people, as I say, they might click into it and there's a load of stuff and they haven't got a clue what they're meant to do. They don't understand it and then they just give up and go away. And it's actually like, well, like I say, with a teacher there to offer an, a prompt to explain why we're going, why this module 
is offered. I mean, so was that the case that every module was sort of always had a, an option at some point to engage with a teacher on it? And, and within that, how did you sort of quality control these modules? How did you stop it being a case of like suddenly all these kind of weird and wonderful things are being offered and you're like, hang on, what, what is this actually about? Was there a sort of committee that sort of said, yeah, that's a good idea. That can go on the, on the list. You know, how did you manage that? So I think there are a few different answers to, to what you brought up mm. there. I think to begin with that... Um, back to what I was saying earlier when I mentioned free learning, for example, um, the habits you already build up in, in any establishment become crucial in, in giving you a platform and the capacity to build further. So the fact that we have students who are well used to following those kind of prompts, to asking for help when necessary, to taking the initiative, to having some responsibility for how they learn they're in that habit already that's of great benefit but exactly as you say therefore when when we do want to present something there are going to be a range of ways that can happen so a lot of units for example will open with a reading or will open with a podcast that a, that a staff member of staff can record to explain what we're going to do or a video so we all obviously as as teachers all around the world have built up those skills of making podcasts, making videos mm. as part of all that. So there will be that kind of introduction available. Then for those um, that wanted that kind of help, what we'd end up with would be saying, there's going to be somebody in this Zoom room all afternoon. So whatever it is you're working on, drop into this Zoom room, there's going to be somebody who can help you. So that's always then available when we were doing the online learning if somebody was specifically teaching a unit, then they would introduce that to everybody and then be available to be checking in with and then say to everybody, right, okay, you've got the hour, go do this, go for your walk, take your photos, make your this, write your that, whatever it is, and then we'll all come back together again at this time and we'll check in and see how people are doing. So that kind of head out, introduction, head out, plenary, head out, plenary kind of process mm. we could work on. In terms of the quality control, absolutely, as you say, it began um, with um, teachers writing. So we talked together about how that would look. And then for the first period of time, it was me collating all of those. And then more members of staff would help me do that as the, th as the process grew. And then we actually had members of staff within our IT department looking at standardizing them and getting into the format that you've seen. So it became very much um, a collective effort. And that's how we'll keep things going. At the moment, actually, as we're looking at branching it out within the school, what we'll do is have a, a whole staff workshop over a couple of hours where we look at writing a unit and then people can brainstorm units they're interested in, develop collaborations across departments and more units will emerge from that. So we'll, we'll aim to get another 50 or 60 written in the next few weeks to, to, to build on that set of units you've seen, which the, the students have had access to for a couple of years now. Yeah, I mean, that would be a, a huge number of resources. There. I mean, do you think you'll sort of maybe lose some in that process as well, sort of like ones that haven't had as high engagement or proved slightly tricky actually to sort of fully get the concept across? I, but that's something we've got to talk through. That's a good, it's a good question. And I wouldn't have a, a, an exact answer for you yet because we haven't made those decisions. What mm. I can see is having all of them available being something worthwhile, but I could also see, and it is something we did along the way, was sort of highlight them. So 
in a sense, you're saying all of this is available, but the ones we particularly recommend now because they're live or because there's something just happened or, you know, if, that we, we have um, a mission to Mars just launched, then these space ones become suddenly right. very live or it's beautiful weather out at the moment. So these um, outdoor ones become particularly live or there's a writing competition come, coming up. So these writing stimuli ones become particularly live and pertinent. So we were already highlighting those. And that could well be what we do to say there's always going to be a certain number available and we cycle through them mm. as we improve them or add to them or develop them or see what's popular. And certainly the, online, the, the platform we're talking about will give us that popularity rating over time. So it will give us an idea of which units are particularly resonating with the general student populace. Mm. Well, that, and that's it. And maybe as a sort of final question around this is, is sort of looking to the future. I mean, you, like that kind of example, like, no, you need more data, more insight on what students like, what they really get something out of. I mean, do you have a sort of long-term plan for it like that? Or is it a little bit more like, let's just keep growing it and sort of see how it evolves itself if, if it needs any more sort of tweaks along the way? I think what, what we'll be looking at next is particularly the, the student involvement. So as students be, have the option to write more of these and become more engaged with them now that we're back on campus, looking at ways we can develop their involvement, both as sort of what they, what they would like and would want to see suggested that we can take forward, what they themselves want to provide, looking for where that enables things to begin to emerge and develop as they show their interest, as they start to head in particular directions as we see what's resonating with year groups, with individuals, that will begin to point in the way we can be flexible and respond. So mm -hmm. that it, we're starting by trying to open and expand the world available to them because a lot of this is go and, go and be surprised, go and be intrigued by something you've not come across before. And I, I really like the fact um, that, that you started by saying, I wanted to know what this mm -hmm. particular unit was we want some of that but equally as those interests emerge we can respond to them and take particular avenues further mm. and i said that was the final question but actually this is the final question i think if, if anyone's listening to this and, and they're sort of thinking this all sounds great you know and I, I, I we want to do this or we're, we're kind of doing this but we need to formalize it a bit more or this sounds like a really well, yeah we could take this approach whatever it might be is there any sort of good like advice you'd give or sort of lessons learned along the way where you think which someone else could avoid that sort of pain point or anything like that because you've been through that you just sort of say this is some good advice to sort of make this kind of thing take off you know just start with three modules start small and grow or something like that i think i think that idea of starting from what you can already see and are passionate about makes sense starting from that from a personal point of view as a teacher writing makes a lot of sense because you will already have the ideas and the stimuli and the things that excite you and interest you that you can share. I think in terms of doing it collectively, it does matter to have the philosophical quest, the conversations first. What is it you as a school value? What is it you want students to take from this? What kind of learning, what other kinds of education do you want to stimulate through this, it matters to do that because you always want to start from um, the philosophical, the vision, the vision that you have. And then, yes, a, a structure that quality controls and presents it in a particular way, those three elements, I think, give you the starting point. 
Mm. And obviously, through um, through the magic of the internet, if anybody wants to reach out with suggestions or asking any questions, please feel free. Well, yeah, there you go. I was going to say, like, you know, can people get in contact with you? But obviously they can. So, I mean, what's the best way? Are you on Twitter or is it you know, on through your school? Or if they, if you're, you're, the, the article you've been kind enough to to publish is shared through my Twitter account, through um, Facebook, through LinkedIn, um, or they can search for ICHK, whose website I think you've linked for us as well, and get in touch any of those ways. Great. Well, I'm sure people listening to this would have found it very, very interesting. And like I said, I think it's a great example of what international school is so often so good at is this kind of really rethinking education and have that slight freedom to do that. So it's fascinating to hear about how it's hear about it and really delve into the sort of the logistics, the mindsets, the, the challenges, the why it's so good. Um, like I said, I think when I saw that thing immediately sort of I thought, wow, that sound, that looks great. You know, I'd love to have been doing that at school. And, and actually, fair, actually, in my school, there was a there was a Wednesday afternoon activities thing, which I guess wasn't too dissimilar to that because you could do football and rugby during the, those terms, but you could also do photography and orienteering and, you know, um, video production and all those kind of things. So every Wednesday afternoon for sort of two hours, you could always do something different. And you, I think there was a thing where you couldn't do the same thing two terms in a row or something like that. So maybe, so you always kind of, sometimes you were kind of compelled to do something that you didn't know anything about. Which is kind of a bit similar. So maybe, maybe this, maybe that's why it sort of piqued my interest so much. But thank you so much for the time and the insights. I think it's really interesting stuff. And like I said, anyone listening to this, definitely check out the story or and all the podcast hosting page because I'll put a link again to the image showing the modules. And I think that will immediately sort of bring even its life even more. So yeah, thank you again, and um, look forward to hearing how it goes in the future. Maybe excellent. Thanks, Dan. It was an absolute pleasure. <laughs>